All right, all right, folks. It's another episode of America's Hometown Horror, and it's another episode with a new sponsor. And tonight's episode of America's Hometown Horror is brought to you by Omeo. Omeo, in case you haven't heard of him, is a travel booking platform that makes planning a journey in Europe and North America effortless. Just enter your travel details, and Omeo will magically give you all the train, bus, flight, and ferry options for your journey. It's never been simpler to book your first real vacation for 2021. I mean, Guys, with the way the last year has been, everybody wants to go on vacation. I would highly recommend using Omeo. Get out there, go on vacation, enjoy yourself, and have a good time. All right? Omeo, Best of all, oh, Omeo, wherefore art thou? Wherefore art thou, Omeo? Best of all, though, using Omeo saves you time and money. That's a win-win in our books. Omeo wants to help you leave your house this summer by offering 5% off your next booking. So just by listening to this podcast, you can go on to Omeo, get 5% off your next booking. Just head to omeo.com, use the code LISTENER5 at checkout. It's valid through June 30th, so you got to act fast, folks. Got to act fast. New users on all modes of transport. It's just the pick-me-up 2021 needs. Pardon me. Omeo, plan, book, and love the journey. Terms and conditions apply, and away we go. So what is up, folks? Welcome into another episode of America's Hometown Horror. If you can see me, if you can hear me, you know that we are live on YouTube and Facebook for another live episode tonight, which I'm super excited for. We have an awesome guest tonight. But before I introduce him and we get into our topic of the evening, I, have, of course, first want to uh, introduce both of my co-hosts, as always. And I'll start out with uh, Andrew. Andrew, what's up, buddy? How are you, man? Not much. Just living the dream, getting roasted outside in the sun every day. So it's nice. I know. Yeah, it's a hot one out there. It's, it's a very hot, hot one out there today. We were just talking about that. Yeah, this, is, uh, this weather is gross. But hey, when it's, you know... Minus 10 outside, we'd be longing for this weather. So you can't really complain too much if I have I'll to, take uh, minus 10 over this. I prefer, I can't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'd rather, uh, I think I'd rather be cold and bundle up than sweat. But, yeah. you know, hey, it is what it is. So we were just saying, like, at work today, I was like, we didn't get a spring. We got like winter and then it just turned to summer. Like, there is no spring. We've, we haven't had spring in like eight years. No. Yeah. Yeah. No, no spring. Exist. Hey, so right now you're also looking at our second co-host, my lovely wife, the lovely Catherine. What's up? Not much. How you Not doing? Much. No, I'm just uh, recovering from my birthday celebration. I know. <laughs> we actually had to delay this live stream because of your birthday shenanigans, which uh, I think were definitely a plenty and very fun. So uh, here we are now doing this on Tuesday instead of Sunday like we... Uh, I guess not what we originally planned on, but I should have known better than to uh, schedule a live stream the Sunday of your uh, birthday post weekend. So shame on me. Shame on me. But of course, you know, I, 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 we have a very special episode tonight and, you know, we have a guest tonight who has been on our show multiple times. He's been great every time. And we have a topic related to theme parks tonight. And I can't think of a better guest to join us and joining us live from Orlando, Florida, is our friend, Matt Gilbert from the Truth Cabin Podcast. Maddie, welcome back, man. Thanks so much for joining us. What's up? How's it going? Great to be back. We're happy to have you back. What's been new, man? I am busy at Disney. We are preparing Halloween floats for the Boo Bash, which is coming in August. So uh, Halloween has already started for me um, on a nightly basis over at uh, Magic Kingdom. I paint the parade floats. I'm painting props. Uh, you know, it's kind of nice because I know some people yearn for Halloween year rounds, and for me, it, it always starts around April, May. So it's been very busy. 
Well, I, I love that because I know that planning for the Halloween season for most local haunts and especially big theme parks all starts, you know, pretty much in the spring and summertime. I, I know usually it's being planned throughout the year. So it's, right. uh, it's awesome to hear that everything is being planned for that already. But um, I know that you have had a lot going on since the last time that we spoke. I, I know that we've had you on a few episodes. I, I, I think the last one we had you on was The Witch, right? Did we have you on for The Witch or was it no, something else? That was a great episode, but hereditary, think, hereditary, hereditary. <laughs> yeah, back, back. Was that in the fall? Was that, was that? Yeah, I think it was November. Was it November? It was back in like November. Yeah, yeah. Because I remember telling people, make, make sure you vote, make sure you vote, and then the election was a couple of days later. That's right. Yeah. I remember that. I remember that. But yeah, so since, uh, since that time, I know you're, uh, you're back in Orlando again. You're back working at Disney, as you already mentioned. But you have launched and are co-hosting a podcast. Yes. which I know uh, I am a big fan of. Why don't you tell us a little bit about the truth, Kevin, Matt? Uh, first off, I was inspired by you guys. I enjoyed the, the podcasting we did last year, talking about uh, Haunted Disney and talking about you know uh, spooky movies. Uh, I was inspired to start my own podcast with a few friends. Uh, we, we call it The Truth Cabin. And uh, essentially, we are three former Boy Scout camp counselors. So we, we all call each other Counselor Matt, Counselor Steve, Counselor Charlie. And the three of us uh, pretty much cover anything we want that, that has a kind of a nostalgic base. So we talk about movies, we talk about music. Um, we have one episode that highlights One Hit Wonders. We talk about Star Wars. Um, one episode we talk about the rise and the fall of the American Mall. Um, kind I of love inspired, that episode. Inspired by uh, the sad end to the Taunton Mall, the Silver City Galleria, which was demolished recently. Um, but you know, the, there's dead malls all around America. I know you like talking about spooky stuff and dead malls are just great, great topics, uh, to, to talk about. Cause they're just these zombies that still sit around and, uh, and pretend to be like these, these thriving, uh, bi uh, business places. And it's, it's, it's fun. But anyways, beyond, uh, beyond the malls, we talk about national treasures, uh, which, which actors, musicians are from America are, uh, influential and kind of long lasting, uh, legends uh we also talk about fast food wars in our last episodes we talk about the chicken sandwich wars and uh the the qsr top 50 which is like i said essentially a it's a top top 50 uh fast food restaurant list that comes out once a year where all of the fast food restaurants are lined up that was our last episode it was so much fun to talk about um you know the battle between starbucks and and uh dunkin donuts and uh how Chick-fil-A is number three in the country, despite being closed every Sunday. Number three, wow. you know. Uh, like I said, chicken sandwich wars, uh, other things like uh, White Castle just opened here in Orlando and like the line is like three or four oh, hours yeah. long. Yeah. Oh, I love me some White Castle. Oh, yeah, White so just... Castle sucks. Who are you? Dude, it's all bun, no burger. That's garbage. Oh, bun, yeah. no burger. Well, they're meant yeah. to be mini burgers, Andrew. So you have to kind of uh, I like tell your expectations. But I like there still to be some meat. Yep, I hear you. Right there. <laughs> Beyond I'm that, I'm a fan we, personally. We have a uh, we have an upcoming episode uh, where we talk about toy crazes and collectibles. So if you're a fan of the Beanie Babies, Pogs, uh, you know any anything from the '90s or 2000s that was a really big deal. That will be an upcoming episode in, I think, in August. Uh, so that oh, that's awesome. It's awesome. Anything we talk about in the Truth Cabin, we're looking to get to the truth of everything. Um, we're looking about. We're looking to just kind of talk about childhood memories. Um, you know, movies and music from the past that you, you think, oh man, I haven't talked about that in years. So uh, a lot of what we we cover 
kind of could intertwine with what you guys cover with your podcast because it's all about um, in, enjoying uh, entertainment, pop culture, you know, theme parks, movies, music, everything. So it is. It's great to be here and, and to, to chat with you guys again. So I, I, I thought of you guys a couple of weeks ago when we were recording our uh, 80s and 90s horror themed children's shows episode. I don't know if you had a chance to listen to that yet, but I feel like a lot of the, sh the stuff that we talked about would be things that would be perfect for you guys to talk about. Absolutely. We could do that. We could do two podcasts in one. We could all, all get together and just yeah. talk about it. All right? <laughs> we, we were on for an hour talking about that. And I feel like we easily could have gone for another episode or two. Probably we could have done a multiple part series. So I don't know. Yeah. But yeah. we yeah, got truth... some people in, in the chat here too, that are uh, weighing in. Yeah. On yeah. Actually you, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> yeah, so obviously, yeah. So we're live on YouTube and Facebook right now. looks like we do have some people watching. So uh, I, I do see some comments in here. And if you are watching, if there is anything that you'd like to ask uh, any of us or ask Matt, feel free to chime in with, uh, with questions. We have a lot to cover tonight, but I think we can probably get to all the questions. That should, uh, that should be an easy order for us to accomplish. But uh, yeah, so I'm just happy to have you, Matt. Happy for the, happy for the success of the Truth Cabin. Now you guys launched back in January. It's been a uh, great time listening to you guys, and I would highly recommend you would check out his podcast if you haven't done so yet. Thank you. But uh, yeah, of course, of course, man. Hey, you got to support. You got to support your friends, right? Yeah, so help each other out. Yeah. So a uh, couple couple little uh, things here before we kind of jump into our topic of the night, and uh, you know, obviously from from time to time we we do give uh, updates on uh, our friends over at the Spooky World the movie uh, documentary. And right. uh, I ignore me. What's that? I was just responding to one of the James comment. Jesus. Shine through, shine through, baby. No, Andrew rocking the shine through blue. You knew that was going to get some comments for sure. Wow, the meat. It's the meat. Meat, the meat. there's more meat. The browsers. Hashtag oh browsers. <laughs> wouldn't be, wouldn't be an it. Wouldn't be a podcast if we didn't get that. What else we got? Let's see. Andrew's right. It's garbage. I said what I said. Thank you, Shano. Andrew, <laughs> it needs more meat. Hashtag browsers. I love it. I just saw those. But uh, but yeah, so we did actually, I did have a chance to talk with our buddies over at Spooky World the Movie in the last week since we recorded. And uh, we revealed in our show last week that Spooky World the Movie would be interviewing uh, Vincent Price's daughter on an upcoming episode of Spooky 101, their podcast leading up to the release of the movie. And uh, what I can say is that they have granted me early access to the footage and the audio of this podcast. And it is phenomenal. Can't wait for you guys to be able to listen to it. What an awesome guest for those guys to land. I'm super happy for them. And uh, I, I just, you know, I say this all the time whenever we get updates from these guys and we had them on our show, obviously, but it's going to be great to see what they uh, what they come out with in the fall when this movie finally gets released. I know I, for one, cannot wait. Matt, did you ever make it up to Spooky World? I didn't, no. I, I always wanted to. I just never, it was like every year I'm like, I'll do it, I'll do it next year, I'll do it next year. And then I, then I moved to Orlando. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's okay. You get some good haunts. You get some good haunts down there to go to go for. So that's oh okay. yeah, the uh, the Universal Halloween Horror Nights that's going to be back this fall, uh, starting in August. Uh, sure is. We usually have Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party, but this year we're calling it the Boo Bash because I think it's going to be limited on fireworks and parades. But that could change because I know that every, everything's opening up. I know a lot of the mask mandates are ending, so I'm excited for a lot of this the spooky stuff to come back this year. Yeah, I'm excited for a real Halloween and real haunted yeah. attractions this year for sure. I was going to ask you what the Boo Bash was, but that's the Mickey's Halloween, not so yeah. scary. 
Yeah. Halloween, Halloween. Essentially, it seems like it's double the price. I think tickets are that the cheapest are 130 bucks. Oh wow! Uh, so I don't know yeah. why this, they might not have fireworks. It might not have much of a parade. Maybe more of a cavalcade where floats come out in and out at random times. But yeah, um, maybe they're trying to make it more of an exclusive, smaller event. So they're charging higher prices. But you're going to have your your typical uh, trick or treating, and you're going to have uh, attractions open that uh, would typically have long lines. You can hop right on, you know, hop on board uh, without the need for fast pass and. You know, lots of spooky uh, entertainment throughout the night around the park. So I'm sure it'll be a lot of fun. I know someone who just went to Disney recently and they said they got rid of fast passes right now. Yeah, there's no fast pass right now. So so you just only stand by. But I want yeah. I'm curious if that will come back in the future as throughout the summer as lines start to pick up again and right. you know, it, it can be rough with a hundred degree heat and no fast pass. That's that's a rough situation. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, I, I love the theme parks in Orlando. I can't think of anything yeah. I would rather do less than go stand in line for uh, rides in July in Orlando when it's 100 degrees. My God. You got to go in the winter. You got to go. Yeah. The that's when I've been. Winter in the that's fall. Every time I went, yeah. it was like December vacation. Yep. I highly yeah. recommend Jan Jan after January 8th. That's the time to go, in my opinion, because it, it cools down. Weather's beautiful. All the kids go back to school. Go, go anytime after January 8th. Guaranteed. Yeah, right after right after Christmas. I remember that always being like the time. It's like go after Christmas. You still yeah. get all the Christmas decorations, but you don't yep. have the crowds. Yeah, took the words yeah. right out of my mouth. So the one time I went in January, it was the best trip to Disney I ever had. I, yeah. Granted, I've only been twice to Disney, um, but all the Christmas stuff was still up, and there were no lines for anything. The weather was still like in the in the seventies, like low eighties. It was That's fine. Beautiful. I had a great time. So it's uh, you know, anytime you can go and not have gigantic lines, I feel like it's going to improve your theme park experience. Yeah, and I would I would say the weather in January is kind of like New England's October you know we we do have some leaves that change color and the the, the nights get cooler you maybe even have to turn your heat on here and there uh, in, in Orlando which is a rarity so the the, the lines are down the weather's better it's just yeah go in January go before February that's when all the, the you know February vacation and all the cheerleaders come to yeah. and all that so shoot for January it's, it's good nice hey so speaking of theme parks uh, in Orlando theme parks in particular. Matt, you uh, you want to talk a little bit of news with us? I have a, a one particular piece of news that I think you uh, might be able to comment on down sure. in Orlando. So did you see that um, that Hollow Scream, which is usually held at Busch Gardens, is actually moving from Busch Gardens Tampa to SeaWorld this year because they announced that earlier this week? I did see that. Is it still at Busch Gardens or is it literally the event is only at SeaWorld? Everything that I saw indicates that it's just, it's, I know it's the same ownership group, so I think it's just SeaWorld, but from everything that I saw, it's moving to SeaWorld. It's going to be mo multiple haunted houses, some scare zones, live shows, and it's aquatic horror themed, which obviously that fits for, for SeaWorld. Absolutely. Um, I've, I've never been to Hollow Scream. I've never been to Busch Gardens, Tampa, or actually SeaWorld, Orlando. Matt, have you? Um, I have not. I, I've been to SeaWorld, but not to any of their holiday events, so I'm curious... You know, uh, usually they have a, a spooktacular, which is more kid-based, where it's like trick-or-treating and little characters here and there. But to have a horror event at uh, SeaWorld will be interesting. It'll be new for them. I feel like they've had that before, and it's just called The Life of an Orca at SeaWorld. And it's a horror-themed <laughs> ride. A haunted house based on blackfish? <laughs> yeah, right. I never saw Blackfish. I always wanted to see it. I uh, I purposely have not seen it. I don't yeah, want I to. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to be really depressed? Try not to watch that. Yeah, I, I like depressing stuff. 
I mean, I'd much rather watch a horror movie with people getting killed than something with animals being harmed. I feel like we've talked oh, about yeah. that on podcasts yeah. like numerous times before. That stuff just gets me big time. So, uh, so yeah. Yeah, mm. I do. I, I will say when it comes to Hallow Scream, I have a friend in Tampa named Brian Brochers. Uh, he is the face of uh, Hallow Scream. I don't know if you remember the butcher, but he he was bald. He had like a leather apron on, and he always had knives or machetes. And he was the he was on all the billboards. So that was kind of cool. He was, uh, for a couple of years, he was the face of the event. Oh. He had this weird mask on his there face. What's that? There's Otis. Don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't. <laughs> sorry for the interruption. Go ahead, Matt, continue. Uh, but that was, a, that was cool to chat with him about that because he, you know, literally he is the face for this whole event and you're seeing him everywhere. And he was kind of a silent horror character that was made for the event. Um, but I remember driving up and down I-4 and seeing the butcher and then a couple of years later meeting Brian and being like, oh my God, you're that guy. Yeah, you, you got the, he's like this, this big guy, he's bald, you know, you might not see his whole face because he's got a mask on, but you recognize the, the blood and, uh, and the, you know, the look, you know, it was pretty cool. That's awesome. I mean, I you know, do you want to tell Matt who we ran into it at Pillory? Oh yeah, so we actually uh, we well I can't reveal too much because I don't want to reveal his uh, his secret identity as he right. called not, it. Not his actual um, identity, but so we were we happened to be at the Pillory Pub in, in lovely Plymouth, Massachusetts, right across from the Plymouth Rock. If you've never yeah. been to Pillory, I'd highly recommend you check it out. It's a great little uh, dive bar to go in and have a great drink. We are there all the time, so if you ever see us there, say hello. But uh, we did run into somebody who works uh, not only as an actor and behind the scenes as a set designer at Barrett's Haunted Mansion, but uh, does a bunch of stuff there and uh, kind of get a little bit of inside info that uh, you can expect some big things from Barrett's Haunted Mansion this year. Uh, this is their 30th anniversary this year, so you can expect to see a lot of uh, returning scenes in the house from prior years, as well as some new stuff. Uh, so I, I can't say who we spoke to, but uh, we did... We did run into somebody there that we had met uh, on prior occasions. Super nice. And we're able to get a little bit of information about this upcoming year at Barrett's. So, hey. Can I say you're in a picture with him? You did get a picture. Yeah, you can, you can talk about that. Well, I was like, no, I have a picture with him from this past year when we went to the drive-in. And um, he was telling us that when he was in costume, I'm like, tell me, stop me if I'm over, like, revealing too much. But... So he said he had a mask and then he had to wear a mask under his mask because of COVID. And I have a mask, I have a mask on my like rainbow mask <laughs> before I bought a gator from Barrett's. It's like super cool. Um, I think I got like the last one that was in line, but I have a picture with like this, you know, character and me with my little rainbow mask on. And I'm like, geez, he's like, ah, <laughs> it's so <laughs> awesome. But yeah. yeah, so we ran into him at the pillory and I was like, oh my God, yeah, I have a picture of you. That's amazing. It was so, it was so random, but so cool at the same time. It was awesome. That's God, great. I love Barrett so much. Yeah. I, I yeah. can't wait to see what they have in store, especially with like everything getting back to normal this year. I think it's going to be great to see, especially what, you know, all the local haunts, but especially Barrett's, which happens to be one of my personal favorites. Well, yeah. even Matt, Matt, right? I, yeah, I worked as a scenic artist for Barrett's in uh, 2013 and it was a blast. I mean, not, not only are they a great group of people, really creative, you know, that they, they really do their research. They prepare, like you mentioned earlier, months and months in advance to get the whole thing going. Um, and they, they hire really creative artists, painters, you know, hairdressers, customers, 
in uh, and also lots of local local people that want to um, volunteer and to support uh, local causes uh, in Abington and around the South Shore. And it's it's awesome. Every year, I recommend going because it's always it's always something new. It's always fresh. They they've added even more experiences in recent years beyond just the house itself. So I can't say enough good things about Barrett's. I think that's the thing I respect the most about them is the fact that they change everything every year. Yeah. Um, everything is new. They completely tear everything down and they rebuild it with something new every year. They're always innovating. They're always doing new things. And I, I think that just makes it, makes me respect it personally on a different level than something like, you know, I won't mention anything by name, but like other haunts in the area that have the same exact thing every year. Like, yeah, sure, I get it. It's a lot of work to do, but I, I just really respect the work that Barrett's does yeah, every single year. I think it's worth so. your, your money to, to know that you're going to pay a certain amount for a ticket, but you're going to get an entirely new experience and maybe even a new layout in the house. I mean, I'm telling you, they're not, they, every year they are knocking walls down and completely rerouting that that experience. It's amazing. You know, it's, uh, yeah. and, it's, and it's so creative. They're always um, coming up with new ideas and, and, and focusing on different stories and experiences and ways to, you know, make it more interactive. And uh, I don't know, they just, they outdo themselves every year. So Barrett's is awesome. For sure. And Matt, I'm sure even like, you know, yourself working in the theme park industry now for a local haunt to be able to do that. I feel like it's just such a, it, you know, obviously if you're at Disney World or Universal, you have the budget to be able to do that. It's just incredible that something local can do that every year too, which I think just is awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Cool. You guys ready for the next piece of news? Yes. Always. All right. So I don't know if anybody saw this, and this was kind of the weirdest piece of news to drop over the last week. It's been all over social media the last day or so. Uh, anyone see that Rob Zombie announced that his next movie is going to be a uh, movie reboot of The Monsters? Did you guys hear about this? Did you guys hear about this? Yeah, Did you see this? I, I saw that on Twitter, I think, or something. I was yeah. like, really? Wow. Interesting. Interesting, right? I, I just, I, so. We've talked about Rob Zombie movies quite a few times on this podcast, and I don't think it's a secret that I'm not the biggest fan of his movies. There are certain movies I like more than others. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses is good. Devil's Rejects is good. I think the Halloween remake is interesting, and I don't really have much use for the remainder of his movies, I guess I'll, I'll, I'll say. Um... But I, I just think that I, I know that he is a huge fan of the Munsters, having seen him on MTV Cribs back in the day. I know he's a collector of the Munsters memorabilia. So I wonder what he's going to do with this and if he's going to be able to put the Rob Zombie touch on it, which extreme gore, extreme language, uh, lots of nudity, probably. I, I wonder if he's going to be able to do everything that he wants to do with this. Or if NBC and Universal, who owns the rights to this franchise, kind of said, "Yeah, you can do this, but you need to reel it in a little bit." Any anyone have any thoughts on that? Well, I will. I will say the Monsters wasn't known for being overly sexual or bad language or overly gory. It was. It was. Yeah. It was so good. It was. It was spooky. It was funny. It was so of its time, and it was very short lived as well. But. Uh, with Rob Zombie. Yeah, it was only on for a couple of years. Yeah, just a few years. Uh, but I grew I grew up as a kid watching reruns on on, it, on Nick at Night, I think, uh, Same. Same. of the Monsters. So I, I'm curious with Rob Zombie if he will enhance it or if that will detract from that original vibe, you know? 
Yeah, I'm in the same. I'm of the same mindset there. I I, I don't know. I mean, Andrew, Cat, what do you guys think? I liked the monster. I was in the same boat as Matt. Like I used to watch it at Nick and Night growing up. Like that yeah. was kind of a thing. I don't know how he's gonna redo it. Are but they gonna? Yeah, they're gonna let him go fucking ape shit on that. Like I don't <laughs> feel like that's gonna happen. I mean, it would be interesting to watch. I'd be yeah. kind of cool with that just to see what he comes up with, because. Why not? But I mean, I don't yeah. think it's like imagine allowing that. Yeah. Well, the interesting thing too. So we we talked about uh, the Hannibal TV series on a prior episode of our show and how much we love uh, that that TV series. Uh, Brian Fuller, who was the showrunner for Hannibal, actually pitched to NBC and directed a pilot episode of a Monsters reboot years ago. It was called Mockingbird Lane, with a. Jerry O'Connell of all people oh, as uh, as Herman Munster. Yeah, I, I can feel Cat swooning from uh, from from love here. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, it never it never got past the the pilot stage, and I guess apparently they 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 did shoot a pilot, but it never got released. And uh, I, I think probably because it was too dark, especially considering the content of Hannibal and you know what Brian Fuller has done in his movies and TV shows. So I I, I wonder, and it just makes me think that. NBC and Universal are probably a little, and, and uh, obviously Comcast by the transitive property are probably a little bit more protective of this brand. I mean, even though it's a TV show that hasn't been on TV, and I mean, let's be honest, what, 40, 50 years? How many kids or how many people would you run into nowadays that weren't horror fans that would know about the monsters? Right. I mean, I, I don't know too many. Yeah. All right. Nobody. So yeah, I guess we'll see what Rob Zombie does with the monsters. Could be yeah, interesting. Yeah, I mean, it sounds. I'd like to see what he. I I think he'd have to recreate the entire thing. I mean, I feel like he could loosely base it on the monsters, but it's not going to be mm. anything like it. The only thing I can tell you for a hundred percent certainty is that his wife will have some role in the movie for sure because oh, she's yeah. in every single thing that he does. She is his muse, so yeah, she'll and be in it. On on a similar topic, isn't Tim Burton doing a uh, an Adams Family spinoff called Wednesday? Is that right? Oh, I I I. I think I heard about that. Yeah, that sounds right. That sounds right. I'm not 100 sure, but I, I'll uh, I'll take your word for it. Yeah. So, and I feel like Adam's family is in good hands with with uh, with Tim Burton, but uh, yeah. we'll, we'll see. It's interesting to see that they're bringing these old these old themes and old shows from decades past back and trying to reinvent them and bring yeah. them to new audiences. I well, that's just what they do now is they just redo everything because they don't want to with the creative idea. So why not? Yeah. All right, so last piece of news, you guys, before we jump into uh, tonight's topic, which I, I'm, I'm, I'm super excited to talk about. I just want to get through this last piece of news so we can talk about it. But, Kat, I knew that you would be particularly excited for this piece of news. Andrew, you'll be happy to know that it's not Hocus Pocus related, okay? Oh, well, that's something. Yeah, it's, it, it is something indeed. It's something indeed. So, Kat, we get an announcement from FX Networks that what we do in the shadows will be returning for season three with a two episode premiere on September 2nd. Oh, just in so time for the fall, just in time for Halloween. I know we talked about this show. You and I, Andrew was, uh, was out that particular week. I did. Matt, do you, uh, do you watch what we do in the shadows? Have you seen the movie? Watch the TV I, show at all? I have not seen it yet. Can you, can you give me a little rundown of what it is? Oh my gosh, so, you don't see oh, what we Kat, do in the shadows? Yeah, Kat, you go ahead. Oh, it's so what it's on FX, but it's on Hulu, right? I think. Yeah, it's on Hulu. So it's on it's it's it basically so FX has an exclusive partnership with Hulu where all of the FX shows you can only stream them on Hulu. So they're basically after they premiere on FX on a given night, 
you can watch them on FX the next day. So that's where you can stream what we do in the shadows, the TV show, if you want to watch it. Yeah. So it's, um, oh, yeah, Sean, all right. Best show on TV. <laughs> well, love what we do on the shadows. Love it. Um, what we do in the yeah, shadows rocks. It's so good. He's old school vampire. Well, there's a movie too, but this is the TV series that I really like. Um, and the TV series is kind of these like old school vampires that are plopped into Staten Island, New York, and they have to kind of take over the world, <laughs> which is not going to happen, but it's more of a comedy. It's a dark comedy pretty much. Right. And, um, they're like in like today's world in Staten Island in New York and they're dressed up in like these like 1800s kind of clothes and they're vampires. So then they have these familiars and all these kind of like, um, they live in the world of like vampire worlds, but they're in today's world. It's, and it's, cool. it's really, really funny. Cause it's That's kind the of like- description of the show on FX. I yeah, so it, way better. So it, it started out as a movie yeah. that was, it's really, really good. And so it came from the mind of like Taika Waititi who directed like the latest Thor movie, uh, Thor Ragnarok. And he did uh, Jojo rabbit and he's okay. doing the new Thor movie. So he's, you know, uh, an up and coming director, but he's in the movie. I, th I think he directed it. And uh, it's from the, and Jermaine Clements in it. Who's hilarious. He's in flight of the Concord. So if you like that type of humor, it's very similar to that, I would say. Right. And, it, it's it's almost it's just like a mockumentary movie and TV show about vampires, ancient vampires living in the modern modern world, trying to take over everything. And it's just it's fucking hilarious. I love. I, I honestly think it's the funniest show on TV right now. Cracks me up. Um, I, I mean, between that and it's like it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Probably the two the, and, and South Park. I think it's probably the funniest shows on TV. But what we do in the shadows is so great. The last season was phenomenal. And I cannot wait to see what they have in store. But what I can say, Catherine, they did actually release a uh, plot description of season three. You want to hear it? Yes. Okay. So after the shocking season two finale, we find the housemates in a panic about what to do with Guillermo after discovering that he is a vampire killer. Oh, sorry, Matt. Spoiler alert. This season, the vampires are elevated to a new level of power and will encounter the vampire from which all vampires have descended. Attempting siren, gargoyles, werewolf kickball, Atlantic City casinos, wellness cults, ex-girlfriends, gyms, and supernatural curiosities galore. Plus, Colin Robinson is turning 100, and Nandor, faced with his own eternal life crisis, tries to inject his life with more meaning. Will he find love? Or is he destined to be an immortal bachelor with 37 ex-wives? So, in short, before, because we did a whole episode on this, I won't go Love too it. into it. But, so, Colin Robinson is a different type of vampire. He's an energy vampire. So, right. like, he's in, like, an office setting, and he's one of those annoying guys. That, like, Such a good character. pencils too much, and he's, like, bores you with his conversation until people are just like, oh, my God, I can't listen to you anymore. <laughs> like, he's awesome like he's a great character they're all awesome they're great but yeah definitely check out the show okay i will oh, okay. Hi highly recommended yeah. absolutely and they're on season cool. season two or season three so there's two seasons out now season three will be out this fall yeah awesome i will check yeah. it out for sure yeah cool great all news. right that's the only good news 
That's it. That's it for news. You guys ready to move on to our, uh, our our topic du jour? I know we've all we're all chomping at the bit to talk about this, so why don't we just get going with that? So that topic, of course, as we mentioned, you know, Matt obviously has a background in theme parks. He's down in Orlando. He works at Disney. So perfect opportunity to talk about the scariest theme park attraction that has ever been built, which was coincidentally at uh, Walt Disney World's Magic Kingdom, which is just insane to me. This whole story, we're going to talk about our thoughts on the ride because I think, so Kat, Andrew, and I all went on this. Random. So, uh, which is just insane to me because I feel like it was what a are real. The odds? What are the odds? I know. What are the odds? Ah, Matt, did you, did you have an opportunity to go on this ride? I did. Yeah. Before, I, I before figured closed, you did. I figured I you did. It closed in 2003 and I, yeah. I, made it, I made it on at least once in, in the early 2000s and it's quite the experience. I've been on once, and that ride, of course, is the Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter, which was open at the Magic Kingdom back in the 90s. I think it opened in 1994 and closed in 2003. Yep. Uh, so barely eight years at, uh, at a theme park or, you know, uh, close to nine, whatever. So still a very short amount of time for a theme park attraction at Disney, I would say. I mean, Matt, do, do you happen to know like what the average lifespan for an attractive at Disney is? Like, yeah. I feel like this is way shorter. You know, so so many attractions at Magic Kingdom are opening day attractions since 71. So they're turning 50 years old this year. Uh, but, you know, things change over the years. They might get renamed or rethemed. But for an attraction to only last less than 10 years, it, it means that something, something went wrong or it wasn't received the right way. I guess, and uh, yeah. there's so there's so much to, to get into with that. Why it why it succeeded, and why it failed. Why why it became had this cult status nowadays, where people are like, oh, you know, you mentioned that ride, and they get uh, excited for it. Um, but yeah, when it was around, there was a lot of issues with it. There was a lot of bad feedback, and uh, I'd love to dig into that. Yeah, Wait, of course. 50, 50 years. Yeah, yeah. Disney. Disney. I'll say the uh, the design for the castle and all of the icons of the parks, like the iridescent looking design for the fiftieth anniversary, they all look awesome. I've yeah, seen it's, them. It's great. Uh, you ah. know, Disney uh, Disney World Magic Kingdom opened in October of seventy one, and then in uh, October of ninety six, they celebrated twenty five years by making the castle a giant pink birthday cake. Uh, I don't know if you guys know. So that, funny you mentioned that. That's actually was, when I was uh, when I was yeah. there and I wrote Alien Encounter. Yeah, it was that was poorly received because a lot of people go to Magic Kingdom to see the, the castle itself, and it was like Pepto Pepto Bismol pink with uh, candies all over it and frosting, and it was. Oh my god, I'd be so mad too. It was so ugly. There was there was a lot of uh, couples that got married at Disney who sued Disney because they expected to see a certain look uh, when they when they you know were there for their wedding, and all of a sudden there's this giant pink cake to celebrate 25 years. Wow. Uh, so they, Disney learned their lesson and here we are 25 years later. I can't believe 96 was 25 years ago. But anyways, here we are at 50 years, uh, 2021, and they are, like Mike mentioned, they're doing more uh, blues and golds and iridescent themes and they're doing a, a much better look to celebrate 50 years. Uh, they're gonna have new attractions, new parades, new fireworks, it's, it's great. And it all starts in October, so. Uh, that's what we're ramping up for right now. That's awesome, especially you know, with especially you know, given the end of the pandemic, I feel like everyone is going to start going on vacation again, and it's going to be a big time for theme parks and the Orlando industry. I, I feel like is it's going to be great. So yeah, exactly. Um, 
So with regards to Alien Encounter, Matt, you've been on our show a few times. We like to usually start out with your, you know, everyone's overall thoughts on a particular movie, in this case, a theme park attraction. So of course, I'll, I'll, as, your, as our guest, I'll start with you. Talk to me about your experience with Alien Encounter and if you liked it, if you hated it, what'd you think about it? Okay, so I would say that, you know, with Disney's, you know, expansive entertainment offerings, movies, TV, music, theme parks, they very rarely go in a direction where things are gory or horror-based. You know, at, at the most, you'll get spooky environments like the Haunted Mansion or the Twilight Zone Tower of Terror over at the studios. Um, but Fantastic like, ride. Yeah, awesome. And we could, t- we could have a whole podcast about that, you know. As we um, should. As we should. Uh, but I feel like extraterrestrial and alien counter, it, it, it's such a unique thing because it was horrifying and there was so much bad <laughs> reactions to it because they tried to warn people um, with signage saying, do not bring your kids in here. This is not for children. Um, I think at one point they had a rule that you had to be 12 or older to go into the attraction. Um, I mean, we can get into the details of what happened throughout the attraction, but my personal opinion is it was short-lived. It was something completely out of left field for Magic Kingdom. Um, it did not fit with the park. Um, it does not, looking back at it, it's not, it seems like it was kind of a mistake, um, but I, it's kind of like fun to celebrate how weird it was, how hor- hor- you know, horrifying it was. Um, I, you know, I was looking into it when, when they had their soft openings in 94, um, there was some really bad reactions to it. So they closed the attraction for six months yep. and they had, they had their official grand opening in June of 95 and they made it scarier <laughs> to try to deter children from going into it. Oh, I know. Did not work. They kids were still brought into this this theater in the round where this alien would break out and you know go through the audience and eat the cast members and <laughs> and most of the attraction was in the dark. You know, uh, you just had a lot of audio around your ears. You, you know, it would, it would breathe down your neck. It would slurp on you. Water would drip on you. It would it would traumatize children on a daily basis at the Magic Kingdom for, for nine years. And you know, guest relations would constantly get complaints from parents saying, How is this even in this park? Right. This? You know, yeah. but uh I I admire what it was, but uh, I also you know, it's got some it's got a cult status now. So I, I feel fortunate to have been on the attraction and uh, to to hear what you guys think about it too. You stole the words out of my mouth. It is definitely a cult attraction, and I am the leader yeah. of the alien and extraterrestrial alien encounter cult because I think that while I understand that Disney World in premise and in concept is designed for families and designed to you know uh, be for kids, I think that there's something to be said for the fact that Disney is at the cutting edge of theme park attractions in the world. And when they can do something like this, I feel like there is an audience for it. Now, should it have should it have been in the Magic Kingdom? No, it should not have been. Um, but I, I think there's absolutely a place for it and an appetite for it in you know today's landscape. People love horror. And I think, you know, especially you, when you hear about, so Matt, I'm, I'm sure you're probably familiar down in the Orlando area, you know about some of the rumors surrounding uh, Universal's new theme park that's coming, uh, Epic Universe. Right, right. Rumor is 
there's going to be a land based on the universal monsters there. So there's going to be a year-round horror-themed attraction at an Orlando park. And I know Disney Universal is a little bit edgier than Disney. Right. But I think there's an appetite for this type of attraction. And I know that it was received poorly and it was, you know, essentially shunned by parents. Uh, I, dare I say idiot parents who might have uh, ignored the posted warnings about this being too scary for children under 12. But hey, why expect people to read when they're on vacation? But, you know, from my personal experience, I mean, I guess Alien Encounter is somewhat of an enigma, right? You know, like I said, Disney World and the theme parks as a whole were built in the idea of family-friendly entertainment. This absolutely was not that by any way, shape, or form. And it's undoubtedly the scariest theme park attraction that I've ever been on. I think probably the scariest one ever built. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess if you're more scared of drops and launches on roller coasters, okay, that's one thing. But this was, this was meant to scare the shit out of you. Absolutely yeah. scare the shit out of you. And I was lucky enough to ride it. I, I was trying to think of the timeline when I was writing this, but I think it was back in 98. I do remember the birthday cake castle, which at the time as a kid, I was uh, 12, thought it was pretty cool. Now, not so much for that 25th anniversary year. I, I, I get it. Um, it was my only trip there as a kid. So I was, uh, I, I was lucky enough to uh, be able to go down for a long weekend with my aunt, uncle and cousins. My uncle was down there for a, uh, a business trip for a long weekend. My cousins were both pretty young at this point, much younger than me, four years younger or younger than that. And uh, so it was pretty much just myself and my uncle Steven going on all these rides. Shout out to my uncle Steven. What's up? Went on Space Mountain, Splash Mountain, Thunder Mountain, Haunted Mansion, Jungle Cruise, Pirates, and Extraterrestrial Alien Encounter. And I was just blown away. I loved I loved horror back then. I loved scary stuff. I was blown away. I was absolutely scared shitless, and I loved it. I loved every second of it. And I wanted to go on it a second time. My uncle, I remember, we got out. Nope. All set. We're good. Let's go on to something else right now. So I, I am a big fan, and uh, I understand why this was removed, but I do wish there were more things kind of like this. So, uh Andrew, I know you also had a chance to ride uh, Alien Encounter. Why don't you give me your thoughts on that? One moment. I, the PTSD is... <laughs> <laughs> yep. The stress level that this ride gives me. Like, So you know how I always talk about, Mike, how I don't find anything scary all the time. Movies, they don't scare me. This isn't scary. This is the reason why <clears throat> nothing scares me anymore. I think I we I, we went to Disney. It was '96, so I think I was like nine. I just turned nine years old, and we went on this ride. And I've never been more horrified in my life of anything ever. Like my sister was sitting next to me; she's eight years older than me, and I almost squeezed her hand off on this ride. I was so terrified. It literally just plays on every sense and fear that's in you in such a way, like, I wish I could go on this ride now just to experience it as an adult, as someone that isn't scared of stuff to see yeah, if it yeah. scared me because I've never been more scared in my life. Like I was scared as a child going on space mountain. So going on, this was like the whole other echelon of just being scared and just the way, like the, the breathing on the neck and the thing so awesome. in the hair. And it's just, you see this little fluffy, like Muppet guy, to start it off with, and then all of a sudden <clears throat> turns into this fucking monster. 
And you're like, I wasn't expecting that. And I don't think my parents were either, but my parents weren't outraged afterwards. They were laughing. They thought it was hilarious. Like I almost like died on this ride because I was so scared. My parents were like, oh, this was yeah. awesome. Yeah. And I was like, really? I'm going to have traumatic like flashbacks of this for the rest of my life. But yeah, what a ride. for sure. I mean, I talk about do that again now. Talk about taking a an experience and they, they had a very little to work with in this theater. And Matt, I'm sure we'll talk more about this and talk about just maximizing the potential. And, you know, we, we have some comments coming in here uh, from Joy Richardson. Loved it. I was in my 20s and it made a huge impression on me. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that, you know, as uh, as teenagers, it was uh, we're, we were not alone there. Uh, but my God, what a, what a ride. What a, what a ride. Catherine, I know you also had a chance to ride it. All four of us. Andrew, do you have something else? Sorry. I was, I was just, um, Sean's comment about it being based off alien franchise. I don't know. Uh, yeah. We're going to get to that. One, but what I thought was interesting, cause I was just watching it. I didn't know there was even videos of this ride. Cause I was like, who had cameras in 96 or whenever it came out. I mean, 2003, yeah. but when you look at their heads of like the two, like main people, they're very alien shaped in, uh, like the two main characters that, leads you into it so that's interesting i don't know yeah that's all yeah, I got. For sure <laughs> thank you for all the comments by the way keep them rolling in if you guys have questions comments let us know we'd love to talk to you all we'd love to know who's out there listening so uh without further adieu Catherine, i'm sure you were very scared riding this ride you know what i was kind of scared riding this ride however um i rode it with my mom who is actually more scared of things than i am I could not um, so, picture your mom on this ride. No, I, I would have thought she would have asked, asked to get off five minutes into it. She almost, I, I think she almost got off. Um, yeah. the, the most terrifying thing for me is that I'm scared of the dark. So I, the entire ride is pretty much in the dark, except for like when they flash, like when the alien's there. And all of a sudden I'm like, I am petrified of the dark and I am not okay right now. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, my mom used to, you know, as a champ would go on like, even on like, you know, fairs, like local fairs would go like the, the casino or the Tilt-A-Whirl or whatever. And she would just be screaming bloody murder, but she'd go on it with me because I'd want to go on it. So this was one of the rides that she went on with me. And she was just like, I think she's scarred for life from it. <laughs> like she actually remembers a lot of it. I was a kid, but I mean, I remember being scared, but I remember her being scared more than me. <laughs> oh, I, I'm not surprised by that. One yeah. <laughs> so Pat, what scares you more, this or the girl? Uh, this, uh, the grudge, maybe. Yeah. The grudge, but actually, do you know what else I think about when I think about this ride? So I remember going on, um, an animal kingdom, the bugs life ride in the tree. Yep. And that's kind of like this, but it's, in a happier, it's in like a happier version than like a scary version. But like, I just remember them. I just remember them having, uh, I lost my video, but I just remember them having, you still a, see it. Sorry, my video keeps cutting out too. I don't know if we're having difficulties with this, but yeah. uh, bear, bear with us if we are. Sorry about that. Um. So no, I remember in the in the bug the bugs life tree, and they'd like the ants would go like under your seat, and your seat would like pop up and stuff, and then the stink bug would like spray you in the face. So that was like another kind of like four D thing. Right. It was really fun, but like that kind of reminded me of this, except this was way darker, like way, way darker. You can take those applications and use them for anything. They use it for terror on this one, and just right. We're like, let's yeah. scare the shit out of everybody that's going on this ride. Never yeah. been more, oh, the worst. Yeah. So, 
Oh, so awesome. And I, I feel like, so we, we, we've talked about our impressions of the ride now. I, I feel like it's impossible to get to this point without talking about, because it's already been mentioned in some of the comments, the history of how this attraction actually came to be and, uh, and, and why it existed at Magic Kingdom. Yes, Kat, we can see you. Oh, wait, nope, never mind. Can't see you now. She'll pop back on, I'm sure. So, can you guys see me, by the way? I think we're having I can see you. All right, Kat may have been able to see me. But, uh, yeah, we apologize if there's any technical difficulties at all. And also, if you uh, if you hear our dog barking, uh, that would be our buddy Otis. So we apologize for that. He might uh, bark from time to time. But uh, so, Matt, and I, I'm sure you can attest to this, if we're going to talk about the history of this attraction, I feel like it's impossible to talk about Alien Encounter or really any aspect of the Disney theme parks in the 80s or the 90s without mentioning... Michael Eisner. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know he's kind of infamous, but uh, you know, if you're not familiar with Michael Eisner, if you didn't watch the Wonderful World of Disney growing up in the '90s, like uh, like many of us did, so Michael Eisner became the first CEO uh, of the Walt Disney Company from outside of the organization since it was founded uh, back in 1984. He was the former head of Paramount Pictures and, you know, say what you will about Michael Eisner, but he had a huge impact, not only on the Walt Disney Company as a whole, but especially the, the theme park division, right? Yep. Um, he oversaw the development of uh, Disney MGM Studios in the 80s, which, you know, uh, depending on who you talk to, I feel like it's well documented that he probably stole that idea uh, from Universal when he was the head of Paramount Pictures and he got the pitch for uh, Universal Studios Florida when he uh, was was back with Paramount. But he also had a huge influence on the film division as well and uh, kind of oversaw what they, what they now call the Disney renaissance of the animation division, right? So essentially the Disney animation division had been struggling in years prior. They had a bunch of duds for movies. Uh, Eisner brought these uh, brought the movies kind of back to the basics and greenlit features based on uh, well-known stories like The Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, Pocahontas, Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, kind of a, a murderer's row of animated features back in the 90s that we all, I mean, we're all kind of the same age. We all kind of grew up with those. So I feel like yeah. that was a, a big influence that Eisner had on the Walt Disney Company was doing those movies and pumping money back into the theme parks, right? Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I was going to say Michael, Michael Eisner was all about synergy. So if he could get, you know, movies and theme parks to all kind of meld together and you know like uh an attraction like lion king it was such a big deal in the mid 90s and he wanted to immediately incorporate it into uh the animal kingdom park when that opened in 98 and they had a puppet show in Fantasyland that they kind of shoehorned in because he wanted that ultimate synergy of movies music theme parks tv you know he was all about getting that brand uh everywhere he could and yeah Someone mentioned Alien earlier, and Alien was definitely something uh, uh, that that inspired this this whole attraction. You know. Oh, for sure. So you 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 took the words right out of my mouth. So kind of a uh, one thing to note. So shortly after Eisner became CEO of the Walt Disney Company, uh, one of one of his ideas was to take his teenage son at the time, whose name is Breck, uh, to Disneyland, and uh, you know, kind of show him around, ask his opinion. And uh, Breck Eisner's opinion was that the park was lame, not suited for teenagers, lack of thrill rides, that type of thing. So uh, 
That name sound familiar to anybody? If you're a fan of horror movies, Breck Eisner, Michael Eisner's son. Ever see the uh, the uh, Crazies remake, the George, the remake of the George A. Romero film with Timothy Oliphant? That was directed by Michael Eisner's son, Breck Eisner. Oh, it's a decent yeah. movie. Yeah, good movie. I actually really like that movie a lot. So, but uh, so Eisner essentially made it his mission to pump money back into the theme park division of the company and bring in outside intellectual properties for attractions. And he specifically focused on George Lucas first. Uh, he brought George Lucas in to consult. And they ended up making Star Tours at Disney MGM Studios and also at Disneyland and also the Indiana uh, Indiana Jones Stunt Spectacular and the ride that also went to Disney Disneyland as well. Uh, but, you know, Matt, you just mentioned it. Based on the success of these attractions, Eisner sought out another hugely successful film to bring to Disney World, Disneyland, all the Disney parks, Ridley Scott's Alien. And to that, I say, what the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? I can't think of a movie that would not fit at a Disney park more than Alien, I think. And I love Alien so much. I can't believe we haven't talked about it on our show. But I can't believe that was even a possibility for any of the Disney parks. It's like an R-rated movie known, yes. known for uh, not being family-friendly and not fitting in the Magic Kingdom. But Eisner is like, let's do it. Let's make it happen. Let's, this is gonna let's be make gold. it happen. Let's yep. synergize and work together as a team. Why don't they bring Alien Encounter back? Like, well, I'm on board for that. I honestly, I, I, I don't think it's ever going to happen. Now they no, have too, they have they have too many IPs now that they need to work with. Yeah. They they literally what Matt uh, last week, a couple days ago, opened Avengers Campus at Disney's California Adventure, the the Avengers Land with the new Spider Man ride. They have. Uh, Star Wars Galaxy's Edge now at both parks. So they, yeah. they have plenty of stuff they can work with. Yeah. I mean, I, I could tell you, though, I'd rather see an alien encounter ride or something based on alien than a fucking avatar land. I was like, yeah. Sean was right, though. It's a good with Marvel. movie ride. I just saw great that. movie ride. It's yeah. one of the best rides if you want to take a nap while you're on. We'll get to that. We'll get yeah. to that. I do have that in here. And actually, Andrew, you took the words right out of my mouth. So just just to yeah. give you an idea of what Eisner had in mind. So they, they did actually end up getting the, the rights to use the Alien franchise in Disney theme parks, okay? The original concept for the attraction, it was going to be called Nostromo, which is based on the uh, the ship from the original Alien movie. And it was going to be a shoot 'em up ride. So think like uh, Catherine. Think about the Men in Black ride at Universal Studios. Oh, Florida. I love that ride. Oh my gosh! Great ride. Or think now. about uh, but Buzz Lightyear's uh, Space Ranger spin, that type of thing, where you're riding around, you see props and sets and everything, and you're shooting at aliens. You were supposed to be riding around shooting shotguns at xenomorphs in this ride. That was the original concept of the ride, which ultimately, you know, did not happen. Obviously. Um, but despite this, they still had the rights for Alien for the Disney theme park. So they incorporated a scene from Alien into the great movie ride, which was awesome. Andrew, yeah. I know you talked about it. You went on this, right? Oh, I did. That ride's so boring. But um, is that it scene was the best. That scene was the yeah, best. There was a Wizard of Oz scene and then the Alien scene. Those as a child going on that ride, like, well, very boring. Hold on. They just got rid of the great movie ride, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, they, they closed it in 2017. Been replaced. Yeah. yeah. I was like, his one of my coworkers just went to Disney and said they just got rid of the. What is it now? Matt? Wasn't that in, wasn't that Epcot? Was that an Epcot? No, no it's MGM. No, it's in, it's Hollywood the, Studios. The Chinese theater at the end of Holly at the end of Hollywood Boulevard. Oh. Uh, yeah. in, in at Hollywood Studios, she used to be used to be called MGM Studios, 
and it the alien scene is in that attraction which closed in 2017 and it's now oh. mickey and minnie's runaway railway which is a good ride but you know the <laughs> the great movie ride was, was really the heart of the park so it was, it was sad i was sad to see it go well i think when mgm opened it was only what but between the studio tour and the great movie ride there were only like two what two rides something like yeah, that when it, it opened really it opened incom yeah. incomplete so right yeah, I, I, I just remember when the great movie ride closed, there were lots of people that took the opportunity to go into the, because they let people into the ride to kind of walk around and take photos. Oh. People just taking selfies with the uh, the Xenomorph animatronic, which was awesome. The Ripley animatronic, not so much, looked fake, but the Xenomorph ones looked fantastic. Which one? Which one looked fake? The Ripley one didn't look very good. No, it was a little, she was kind of like a doll with a head, which just kind of... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Hey, they can't all be winners. They can't no. all be winners. <laughs> so anyway, so Eisner puts uh, a scene from Alien into the great movie ride. Kind of shelves the idea for the Nostromo attraction, the shoot 'em up ride, and then uh, back in the '90s, comes back up again. Disney's thinking about doing a retheme of uh, of Tomorrowland in the Magic Kingdom. And Eisner says, hey, you know what? Good opportunity to uh, bring the alien attraction back up for an idea. So the new idea was to repurpose a dated attraction called Mission to Mars, which we already mentioned, which was essentially a theater show with an attraction based on alien. Eisner loved the idea, greenlit the idea. And uh, again, senior Walt Disney World Imagineers kind of said to him, hey, not this time. No, let's not do uh, let's not do Alien. It's too scary. He was pissed, but uh, eventually he said, "Okay, fine. Let's leave Alien out of it." So I mentioned the prior partnership with George Lucas, and they brought George Lucas back in, and they said, "Hey, we have this idea for this attraction. It was going to be based on Alien. I need you to retheme it, come up with a new plot, and also uh, come up with a new, less scary creature." Which uh, George Lucas, I guess, did. I define less scary, I suppose. Yeah, I'm but, a bit uh, confused by this whole part. Like, yeah. did they go on tests of this ride and go, oh, this isn't scary at all? Like, weren't they horrified when they went on this to begin with? Like, I don't understand how this... Well, Matt mentioned scary. it earlier, but apparently when the ride first opened, they did the soft opening and Eisner went on it and he said, hey, this isn't scary enough. We need to make it scarier. Turn it up. <laughs> yeah. Turn it Which up. Which is it's crazy. I love it. I, I love going oh, hard in the awesome. paint with the scary attractions. It's great. I mean, hey, ultimately it turned into the ride that we all got to experience back in the 90s. Fuck yeah, I'm on board. But uh, yeah, so that led to the extraterrestrial alien encounter. Opened, official opening, not the soft, op soft opening. Opened June 20th, 1995. Closed October 12th, 2003. Only eight years, which is just insane. But a uh, couple things might have led to its closure, and I know we can probably talk about this a little bit more. But um, so basically, you, you know, and Kat, I'll, I'll let you talk about this because I know you did actually watch kind of like a, a point of view video of the on-ride footage, which probably helped to uh, make you remember what it was like going on back in the 90s. But so there was a pre-show with a robot that was uh, named Sir, 
Simulance Intelligence, Intelligence Robotics, something like that, something yeah. of that name. So in the original show, uh, it was voiced by Phil Hartman, of Saturday Night Live, The Simpsons. And uh, basically, they thought that pre-show was too funny because of Phil Hartman. And they said, uh, now we need to make this a little bit darker so that people kind of know what they're in for during the pre-show. So they, Andrew, they brought, uh, they replaced Phil Hartman That's with terrific. Tim Curry. No, oh, Tim Curry. I see. I Tim didn't Curry. see that one. I yeah, saw. You the saw one Phil one. Hartman? No, I saw the one where it was uh, Rooney from uh, Ferris Bueller. He was. Oh, no, no. This oh, is the, the principal. The no, 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 no. Oh, so the, the, robot. the robot in the beginning. Oh, so more on more on Jeffrey Jones in a second. But uh, yeah, so apparently it, it, at first it was Phil Hartman, and then they replaced him with Tim Curry, which is the, the creepiest, the creepiest of now voices. I'm, now I need to rewatch this. And yeah. when you get into the theater. Before the show actually starts, there are, you know, alien scientists that are played by Tyra Banks and Jeffrey Jones, who Andrew, as you mentioned, Jeffrey Jones. Hey, Tyra Banks. Yep, Tyra Banks is one of them. But oh, they're shit. in they're in makeup. They're in like it's green. Like green. Yeah, that's crazy that they went like that A list. Like with, well, I mean, I guess it's not that A list. Yeah, that's pretty. Not back then. Not back then. I mean, hey, Tyra Banks in the nineties. Yo. Yo. No, I will say though, she, Tyra Banks is in it, but apparently the voice of that alien is a, is another woman, which is crazy. Oh, like, I didn't would, know that. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, that makes sense then, because so all of her voice is some other some other lady, but it is her. That's huh. Okay, okay. Interesting. But yeah, so uh, Jeffrey Jones and I, I honestly like if I if I were a betting man, I would think this is more of the reason that the ride actually closed more than guest complaints. So uh, Jeffrey Jones, obviously famous for being in Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Beetlejuice. He was in uh, Deadwood, if you guys ever watched that. Uh, he was actually uh, had a, a pretty pretty embarrassing arrest uh, back in, in 2002, I think it was. Uh, it was arrested for uh, child pornography and soliciting oh. an underage uh, boy. So yeah. needless to say... It's a big time no-no, disgusting thing. And uh, Disney, I think, kind of said they were all set. I so I think that. combined with the customer complaints, as well as potentially having to reshoot all of Jeffrey Jones's parts for the pre-show, they were like, you know what? Fuck this. Let's uh, let's just close this ride, cut our losses, and turn it into, turn it into something else, which they did. They turned it into a ride uh, called Stitch's Great Escape, if I remember correctly, Matt. That's still there, right? Uh, it opened in 2004, a year after Alien Encounter closed, and it, the last time Stitch was open was January of 18. So it is not coming back. It's it's done. Yeah. Maybe they'll bring back Alien Encounter. What's there now? Um, it's just, it's just empty. Back. It's empty. Never coming back. I I hate to say it. It's never coming back. No way. Nope. That would be amazing, though. Maybe maybe there's a maybe there's a way. Let me let me put it this way for you. So <laughs> Disney. Given the success, the success that Universal Orlando has had with Halloween Horror Nights and what they do there, Disney has probably had every opportunity to be able to do some scary stuff for Halloween, and they have just constantly, uh, constantly demonstrated that they have no interest in doing that. Yeah, they want. So nothing I don't think do there's with, ever a chance before. that they're coming back with a, a scary attraction year round. Yeah. Matt, what do you think? Am I, what do you think about that? Yeah, I think Disney will dabble in spooky environments, but they I don't think you'll ever see Disney do gore ever in their theme parks or even really in their movies, you know. I was going to say it's um, not really part of their whole Yeah, they just, they're, yeah. just they're never going to take that leap to having like a chainsaw massacre kind of environment or 
someone chasing you, trying to murder you. It's just they they'll make you know references to you know at haunted mansion to you know move your body to the dead center of the room, you know because you're obviously at a haunted mansion with a bunch of ghosts, but. They'll but go spooky. Yeah, they won't go gory. And I don't, you know, as much as I'd like to see Alien kind of come back in some form, I think they they closed it for so many reasons. And one of it was just the nonstop com daily complaints from parents because it was just too yeah. much, you know? Yeah. They'd rather just subtly break you down and make you feel bad about yourself, like Bambi and all those other movies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Lion King for me, that was one I was just like, oh my God. Yeah. Ugh. Whenever Dude, Mufasa that, dies, that, yeah. yeah. Or, 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 I was like, are we gonna get into the depths of no. that, like, uh, that, that could be a topic. Where like uh, Scar was eating Mufasa. No, was, he wasn't. No, like he was like picking. Did he not eat Mufasa? Look it up. No. Trust me. There's Scar, a scene. Scar, there's, Scar there's, like, pushing there's a scene where the Scar is in his lair, and he's like licking off a bone, and then you see you see the skull of a lion. There and he's like picking his bone with the teeth, like it's almost like he cannibalized. He did uh, not. He did no, not. look it up. There's a there's like a weird no. YouTube video, or a, no. I, think a, I think it's actually a TikTok video. But <laughs> don't even uh, go. Look it up. Cannibalism. So it's there. It happens. I'm not looking. Yeah. It'll be there because it's gonna be there, and I'm not gonna want to. And you're gonna be very upset about it. <laughs> like I said, yeah, uh, he subtly wants to make you feel bad. Sorry, I didn't know. I, I I wanted to let you finish, Andrew. Oh um, no, that, that was it. I'm just saying, look it up. Just do it. Cat, I, I was gonna say. So I mean, I guess, I guess at this point, um, I know we're kind of up against it with Matt. Do, uh, do you have a few? Do you have a few more minutes to talk for a little bit longer? I do. Yeah, I do. Yep. I, okay. I sweet. Are you asking me or Matt? I no, no, I was, I was <laughs> asking Matt. Sorry. Um, so, Cat, so you you actually had a chance to watch uh, one of like the point of view videos of the attraction itself. So, like, what what were your impressions of that when you watched it today? Um, it totally brought me back to like the minute that I was walking in the line with the guy with the robot and everything. And I remember getting into the whole thing and, you know, I, I kind of, it, it totally brought me back to when I actually went on the ride and I like being like, this is going to go over your shoulders. It's going to stop. And then I'm like thinking to myself now watching it. I'm like, what if it didn't stop? Like what? What if it just kept going and crushed me? Like, totally different fears as an adult versus a child. What is the technology here that knows that my shoulders right? But anyway, that's beyond me. But I mean, yeah, I mean, I I felt like I had the same fear of like, um, it, just being in the dark. I still have the same fear of the dark that I had when I was a kid. And it was I, definitely I, very dark for sure. It was yep. it was dark most of the time, and all you heard was noises, or something was licking you, or there was something like behind you, like, and there was just like surround sound all around, like your own individual little like area it was it was scary it was very scary <laughs> yeah it was like sensory overload right you know like exactly you're, you're in yeah. the dark for most of the attraction and you know at one point uh, there was a live cast member that walks in the catwalk above the audience with a flashlight like trying to right. find the alien and then yeah. you see his like cam version of what he's seeing and that you see he meets the alien and then the cast member gets eaten by and killed by the uh, by the alien. By the like, alien, yeah. And then yeah. Fake, fake blood, blood fake like splash on you. Yeah. Of course, yeah, water. But, but, like it's supposed to be like the blood of the cast member is is seeping through onto the cast. I mean, this is a Magic Kingdom. This is crazy, you know. Yeah, it's insane. 
I feel like as a child, you probably don't even take it in as much as you do when you're an adult, when you actually realize what's going on. Like that's, it's scarier when you see that as an adult than a kid. Very gory. And and just whether you're a a child or an adult, they had you in the seat and they had this thing came over you and pressed down on your shoulders. So you felt trapped. And then when, when the alien would bounce around the room and fly around the room, the the thing would press down on your shoulders as if it was on top of you. Right. I mean, it would yeah. drip on you, it sneeze on you, it would it would scream in your ears. I mean, it was like sensory overload. And you know, I can imagine why so many com- people complained about it. It was a hor- horrifying experience. Just I remember yeah. sitting in that seat, just gripping, gripping the seat. It was so scary, you know. And I feel like there isn't like enough signs that you could even put up at the entrance of the ride to be like, this is a scary ride. Do not go on this if you think you're going to be scared and don't complain about it after. Like, that's almost yep. what you want to put as a disclaimer. But I mean, yep. people well, don't read signs anyway. As we've learned from COVID, when they're like, two people per like store or put your mask on or whatever, so, uh, people are just that, like, that, I'm just going to go. <laughs> <laughs> that brings up a great point because I feel like, you know, obviously you're an adult in the 90s, you're taking your kid on vacation at Disney World, having the time of their life, right? Right. How much of the onus falls on the parents to be able to say, okay, maybe this attraction might be too scary for my for my child? Do I read the post in the morning? It, like, it uh, totally falls on the parents. I feel like people don't read anything, though. So right, I feel like exactly. I, I, uh, I yeah. do feel, though, like they're in Disney World, so they probably just assume that it's not that scary. So I get yeah. that. But at the same point in time, that's on you, bro. You yeah. want to bring your kid to the ride, right. don't yeah. bring it there. Too bad, Karen. You get that's what happens. Go fuck yourself. Yeah. What What's interesting to note about this attraction is, you know, Disney has ways to make sure that young children go, don't go on their rides, and a lot of times it's the height restriction, right? But with this attraction, there was no height restriction. They just were like, "Hey, if your kid's twelve or older, they might be good to see this." But that's a good point. They anyone, anyone could go on this ride, and uh, there, you know, there was no, you know, on some, certain roller coasters, if you have heart conditions. You'll see it on the sign. Don't go on this ride. If you're pregnant, don't go on this ride. But essentially, this ride, you just sit in a chair. So you could go on it at any age. And it was, like Mike mentioned, the uh, the discretion of the of the parent, you know, and that's where that's where they screwed up because anyone could get on this ride and it was right. hor- it was horrifying, you know. Mm. So I have a I have a trivia question for you guys out there. Um, Matt, I cat, I know you might know this. I'm okay. sure Matt probably does too. Do you know where you can actually find Easter eggs or you could have found Easter eggs uh, for the extraterrestrial alien encounter in other Disney park attractions? Hmm. Well, I do know at least. At there's least one, least. there's one active right now, not at Disney world. Oh really? At Disney park. Yep. Oh, well, beyond, you know, I know in Stitch's great escape, a lot of, it was such a rush to get that attraction open because the movie had just came out in 2002, a year before. Uh, and I know that a lot of the props and, you know, the, the little Muppet Mint thing that was mentioned earlier, his name is Skippy. He was used in, in uh, the, the Stitch attraction. Skippy, that's uh, right. Yeah, 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 yeah he was. Yeah. yeah. And, and in the alien encounter, Skippy is like in one tube. And then they try to teleport him, and he's really gruesome and all gooey. And the second one, which is he's trying a Muppet, to, right? What's that? Isn't he a Muppet? He's not a Muppet, but he, he definitely looks Muppet. Like like. He yeah. looks like he's got a little like nose. Yeah, he's very very cute. Um, I would consider him an Easter egg. 
uh, in Stitch, but Stitch is no longer open. So I'm curious where where the current uh, you know Easter egg. So is. the ones the ones that I know of, and obviously, uh, so Disney Quest is no longer open, but there yep. was a, uh, a an extraterrestrial alien encounter video game at Disney Quest, which I know, Cat, you are a big fan of, right? Or were a I big loved, fan of. when I went to Disney Quest, I I still talk about it to this day where you could build your own roller coaster. So cool. That was amazing. Like I think I might have spent hours there building my own roller coaster. I don't know how many tickets I went through or whatever. Only but I, you. I was like, I'm just gonna, oh I love, I love time at Disney World building your own roller coaster when Disney built roller well, coasters for you. It was in downtown Disney. It wasn't even in like any of the parks. I yep. know. It was right near Chef Cookies. Yep. You, you could spend, <laughs> yeah. you could spend all day there. It was, it was an indoor. It was you know. amazing. It yeah. was the, like the best thing ever. I remember going on Aladdin's Magic Carpet Ride, and you were on a carpet, like going. Around. It was so cool. It was like, it was like a theme that was almost better than some of the amusement parks because then you could kind of do whatever you wanted yeah all yeah, the virtual reality it was very yeah, very, it was very nice it was very cool yeah. yeah it was awesome so the the other one that i know of <clears throat> apparently if you go on uh which just makes me mad the uh the replacement for the tower of terror at disney's california adventure is the guardians of the galaxy ride yeah apparently if you walk through the queue of that ride the it's based on the collector from the guardians of the galaxy film there is actually a uh, like a, a letterhead like note in the collector's case that's from Excess Tech. Oh, really? So yeah, that's the only other cool. uh, like active Easter egg that I know of for Alien oh. Encounter. So that's cool. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yeah, pretty cool stuff. Pretty cool stuff. So uh, so yeah, good stuff on Alien Encounter, you guys. Yeah, go for it. Go yeah. ahead. I know we weren't going to talk Hocus Pocus, but did you know Kathy Najimy is in this attraction? I did not oh, know that. Yeah, so no, Kat, no. Oh, I feel Kathy. like Kat needs to hear this. Yeah, did Kat. you hear what I said, Kat? So Kat, just a, a little fun fact. Kathy Najimy, who plays Mary Sanderson in Hocus Pocus, yeah. she, she's in Alien Encounter. In, the, ma in the main theater, she, she plays Dr. Dr. Femus and Dr. Femus is like an excess tech employee and she's part of the, the crew that gets the alien transported to your theater. So Oh my god, that's so cool. fun. I'll have to look for I wonder if yeah. I watch it again if I can find her. Yeah. That'd be really the, fun. The amount of Hollywood talent in this attraction is is awesome. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. yeah. Like the people that are in it, you're like, oh, you filmed all these people. But I guess that's kind of like through most of Disney, especially like back in the day, I feel like they would have people like film like whatever. Yeah, they've they played over and over in rides. They've had Ellen DeGeneres and Martin Short, and they yeah. you know, they've used Phil Hartman and other attractions too over at Epcot. They uh, they always tend to find like the local um, or the the most recent hot talent. Um, but it really dates the ride after a while if you're watching a, an attraction right. from the '90s yeah. with like Ellen DeGeneres from 1996. Right. Uh, that was over at Epcot. They closed that as well. But, um, One thing I'll yeah. never forget was uh, was. Uh, Oh God, what's his name? The guy that played Putty in Seinfeld and uh, yep. in Soren, he was like the pilot, right? Yeah, yeah. What's his name? Uh, Patrick Warburton. Warburton, oh. yeah. Yeah, love he's, him. he's perfect. You know, great. All right, cool. Uh, you guys got anything else on Alien Encounter? Mm. Matt, Andrew, Cat. I will add that the whole point of closing Alien Encounter and opening Stitch's Great Escape was to provide a similar experience but that was kid-friendly. And it still did not satisfy audiences. You know, Stitch's Great Escape was considered one of the worst attractions 
at Magic Kingdom or at Disney World altogether. Um, and it lasted longer than Alien Encounter, but it continued despite being family friendly and kid focused with the blue alien. And a lot more of it was visual. It was, there was some darkness to it. Uh, it still got bad reviews and still scared kids uh, well, you know, well all the way till uh, 2018 when they closed it. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they can do. It's a, this attraction is a theater in the round. It's a whole bunch of chairs with a tube in the middle. And I'm trying to think what can they put in this room that would be interesting for guests that want to go to a theme park and have fun, but not scare children. I mean, I don't know what they can do. It's a good point. It's a, it's an issue that they're going to run into from time to time, especially now you mentioned the fact that obviously Disney has acquired 20th century Fox who owns the rights to alien in the alien right. franchise and predator. Yeah. And I know that uh, they green lit a new TV series on FX based on aliens. So that it's, it's clear that Disney intends to continue, you know, doing the alien franchise, but I just don't know if we'll ever see anything like that in the theme parks. And yeah. I, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I guess with that type of attraction, like, what do you do? I don't yeah. know. And I will say I know, it's, it's, a, it's a good question. It's a good question. The, the mid nineties was an interesting time period for Disney because they realized we need to provide more thrills for our customers, right? So a lot of, uh, they didn't want to go big with maybe high speed roller coasters. Uh, so they went kind of in a route of, well, let's, let's do a, you know, a scary alien attraction indoors. And it just, it just didn't work. But uh, I don't know, I guess my point is that alien encounter was good for what it was. And I wish it hung around longer and I wish it would come back like Kat mentioned, but Oh um, my God, it's, me got, too. it's got solid cult status, and uh, you gotta give them the A for effort. Don't I mean, you think like Universal should like buy the rights to that ride or something or something like? Well, Universal that? has some scary stuff in it, right? No, no, but this was right in what they have. Well, I mean, I Universal has the Mummy ride year round. Right. That is, I mean, not scary. It's kind of an action adventure ride. It's based on the Brendan Fraser Mummy movies, but yep. I mean, Universal kind of. I feel like that's the difference between the two parks, right? Universal, like I mentioned before, is a little bit edgier. They kind of embrace that you know, that they're a little bit different than Disney. Disney is the family friendly park, probably the superior of the two resorts to go to, but yeah. Universal prides themselves on being different, which yeah. I feel like D Universal is catered more towards adults than Disney is. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. With like city walk and stuff and the whole, I mean, that whole area is way Well, Disney has Disney that. Springs too, but I feel like the, the attractions as a whole are themed more towards, not, not so much towards younger kids. Yep. Well, and that's then, when they got rid of like Pleasure Island. Yep. <laughs> they got rid of all the fun stuff. Not yeah. I would love to talk about Pleasure Island. Pleasure yeah. Island was so dope. Oh my god, it was so much fun. Yeah. Every now and then Disney dabbles with adult type things like the dance clubs at Pleasure Island, but then they they retract and they remember we're we're family oriented and they remove yeah. them and it it yeah. bums people out because I mean if you ever went to Pleasure Island, it was a place where you could drink and dance and have fun and go to comedy Ooh. shows and uh, you know. It was so cool. And, and the reason they opened Pleasure Island was to compete with downtown Orlando's Church Street with all their successful clubs. So Disney's always trying to compete with Universal and Orlando and SeaWorld. And, uh, and they, they might dip their toes in horror or in a, you know, adult nightlife, but then they retract, you know, and yeah. with, with Alien Encounter, I don't know if we're ever going to get something like that back again, but I don't think so. I think God, I, hope, I hope so, but yeah. I, I, Matt, I think you're right. I don't think yeah. we ever, so I guess we'll see. That remains to be seen. You never know what the future can hold. And maybe you know, 
Horror is bigger than it ever has been, so maybe we will. But if I were a betting man, I would say not this Start a petition. Maybe they'll do uh, Disney's Halloween treats. Disney's Halloween treats, the best Halloween special of all time. I love that. I still watch uh, YouTube bootlegs of every year. So So good. (laughs) Not not available on Disney Plus, right? No, unfortunately not. I mean, what is Disney Plus doing? Why are you snoozing on that? It's too scary. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's not scary. I'm just joking. I don't know. It's not scary at all. I mean, the Night on Bald Mountain thing is a little spooky. But I mean, the rest well, of it Fantasia is pretty available, though. Fantasia. It's in Fantasia, Night on Bald Mountain. Yep. That's the scariest yeah. thing Disney's ever done. Yep. No, all I right. Feel like, I feel like I wanted to just mention at Disney's, I'm sorry, at Universal Studios. Oh, have you guys been to the, I think it's called the Hollywood uh, Horror Makeup Show? Yep, we sure so did. That, that was is, awesome. That is a great example of embracing gore and Hollywood horror. And that show has been around like, pretty much since the park opened in the early 90s. And it's not only is it about horror in Hollywood and, um, you know, makeup techniques, but it's really funny. It's a great comedic show. So if, you are, if you're ever at the studio park, Universal Studios Florida, check out the, the makeup show. It is it's awesome because it just embraces um, all that horror that Disney does not embrace, you know. So check it out. Yeah, yeah, we watched that. That was that was awesome. So that good. Really yeah, good. we 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 definitely did that. I think probably the the first time we wet cat, probably both yeah. times. But it was awesome. I I loved that. That was right up my alley. And especially when you walk through like the lobby and they have all the props, yeah, posters and all that stuff. I mean, I I'm but a yeah, sucker. like just what you said, Matt. That's like a good way to embrace horror without being like super over the top too. Right. Like they were, yeah. and they did it in a great way that like could be family friendly if if you wanted to call it. That. I mean, it was it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. it would be yeah. cool if the Magic Kingdom or Disney could do something like that. That'd be fun. it would. Well, the funny thing is, too, I feel like when we were talking about like 80s and 90s kids horror a couple of weeks ago, like there's something to be said for something that introduces kids to horror in some way, shape or form without necessarily scaring the shit out of them. So I feel like Disney could do it if they chose to. And I feel like they, they arguably are like, yeah. I mean, a Hocus Pocus sequel on Disney Plus is, is something. It's not nothing. I mean, it's not horror, but it's, yeah. it's, it's something. It's a Disney way of doing something like that. So I don't know. I, I just think. You know, everything can't be all sunshine, rainbows, and, and roses all the time. You, you gotta, you gotta, you know, you gotta do something different every so often. So, I don't know. That's my thought. But, all right. Well, I think we've uh, had a great discussion here on extraterrestrial alien encounter tonight, you guys. So, Matt, once more, tell us a little bit more about the Truth Cabin. Where can we find your podcast? Where can we find you guys on social media? Tell us about it, my friend. Plug yourself. So we are anywhere you listen to podcasts, we're on Spotify. We're on Apple Music. Uh, you know, We are called The Truth Cabin. We release an episode every month at the end of the month. Um, and we really, we talk about things that are nostalgic, uh, movies, music, anything entertainment-based that will remind you of childhood or, or when you were younger and uh, and they, I find that these these coming episodes that we have in uh, in July and August are some of our best. Um, we we found that between the three of us, we have really good banter and humor, and uh, to to record that and share it with my friends is awesome. So check out the the Truth Cabin uh, wherever you listen, wherever you stream. I would absolutely recommend you check out the Truth Cabin wherever you listen to your podcast. It's a great show, and uh, we're a fan of it. If you're a fan of our show, you would absolutely appreciate it. So absolutely check out the Truth Cabin. And Matt, 
thank you so much as always my friend for coming on and talking about this this has been a blast tonight and i look forward to having you on again at some point soon thank you so much for having me appreciate it uh, dude of course of course well uh if you are listening to our show and you're interested in following us on some sort of social media platform you can do that you can find us on youtube and facebook just go on there search for america's hometown horror you'll find us subscribe to us like us whatever you want to do you can also go on Twitter and search for at Hometown Horror. You'll find us there. And on Instagram, you can just search for at Hometown Horror Pod. You can also drop us a line at Hometown Horror Podcast at gmail.com. Or you can see the new beautiful website uh, that our lovely co host Catherine designed uh, a couple of weeks ago. Just go to ahhpod.com. That's ahhpodapod.com. You can get all of our social media feeds, listen to our show. We'll have a blog up there soon. It's a great website awesome stuff and you can also listen to our show pretty much anywhere you get your podcast but you know more specifically apple google spotify amazon iHeartRadio, radio stitcher spreaker wherever else you listen to your shows you know what the drill is by this point go on <laughs> whatever podcast platform you listen to search for us you'll find us listen to us thanks again for listening to another episode of america's hometown horror my name is mike i'm your host thanks again to my ho- my co-hosts cat and andrew and of course to our guests uh, to our guest, excuse me, Matt Gilbert. Everybody say goodbye to your audience tonight and thanks for tuning in to our live episode. Bye, Bye guys. Bye. Bye. <laughs>